Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, a special edition of The Kicker. So, Akatunde Ahmad is a former CJR fellow who has been reporting on Michael Tubbs. Michael Tubbs is the former mayor of Stockton, California. He was the city's first African-American mayor. And somebody whose campaign has been targeted by disinformation. In this edition of the podcast, Ahmad sits down with Michael Tubbs and they talk about his tenure and disinformation and politics and how it's covered in local journalism. Totally fascinating. Glad to have Tunde uh, take over. Hello, everybody. My name is Akintunde Ahmad, and I'm a contributor to the Columbia Journalism Review. I'm excited today to be speaking with Michael Tubbs, the former mayor of Stockton, California. Just last year, Tubbs was the focus of an HBO documentary titled Stockton on My Mind that followed his experience trying to reinvent Stockton as the city's first African-American mayor. Within a few months, however, with his campaign for re-election coming up, Tubbs was subjected to a targeted disinformation campaign by a fake news website called 209 Times. Named for the area code of Stockton, 209 Times claims to be an independent, community-driven grassroots news source. In reality, however, it functions as a misinformation machine, trading on the relatively high levels of trust in local press outlets to spread lies about Tubbs and play off of voters' racist biases. Come November, Tubbs was unseated. He joins us today on The Kicker to talk about disinformation, news deserts, racism, and what he's up to now. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Michael Tubbs. I am the former mayor of my hometown of Stockton, California. When I was elected in 2016, I was the youngest mayor in American history of a city of more than 100,000 people. I was also Stockton's first black mayor. Uh, before that, I was a city council member. I'm born and raised in Stockton. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a drum major for justice, as Dr. King said, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so, so much uh, for being here and taking the time to talk with us today. So I just wanted to begin, um, for those of us who don't know, could you describe the city of Stockton, um, where it's located, its population, its racial breakdown, to just give us uh, a landscape of the area that we're going to be discussing? Stockton is in the Central Valley. Um, it's strategically located. It's about an hour away from Sacramento, an hour and a half away from the Bay Area. Um, it's the most diverse city in this country. In terms of folks from all over the world have come to Stockton to make it home. The first Sikh temple in North America is in South Stockton. The city is 10% Filipino. At one point, Stockton had more Filipinos living there than any other place in the world outside the Philippines. Um, it's a community that also has some struggles. It has a 23% poverty rate. Of the top 100 cities, it's number 99 in terms of college attainment. It's one of the least educated cities in this country. Uh, one of the least literate um, cities in this country, in, in, in the top 1% of cities in terms of folks not having the, the, the literacy skills. Um, it's a community with a tra proud tradition of champions and warriors. Folks like Maya Angelou, uh, made her home in Stockton in her teen years. Dolores Wortha, Larry Itleong, Mike Singhong Kingston. Um, it's a city that in 2012 was the largest in this country to declare bankruptcy. 
Um, it, it's a city, I think, that's really ground zero for many of the challenges facing this country and for many of the challenges facing becoming a multiracial democracy. Understood, understood. And so in speaking about not just Stockton as an individual city in California, but also how it relates to this national conversation we're having, I'd like to switch gears and begin talking about the landscape of Stockton's news, its media coverage, and also the spread of disinformation uh, that has been happening in your city. And so spark this is you know i recently came across a tweet from you that read stockton is the miner's canary for the impact of disinformation 209 times is an example of racism and disinfo that is able to thrive in news deserts policymakers should learn from this and create solutions to save local news and hold social media and bad actors accountable and so I'd like to really just open the floor to you to first uh, begin talking about, you know, what outlets exist in Stockton, um, what the news media and coverage is like and how that's changed over the years. Um, and really begin to talk about how this landscape uh, has allowed for disinformation to not only spread, but really thrive uh, in your hometown. Yeah. So Stockton, California um, is what's called a news desert. Even before the layoffs and the cuts, as a city of 315,000 people, we had one newspaper on the Stockton record. Um, in addition to that, despite, again, being the 12th largest city in the, in the state, 62nd largest in the country, we weren't our own media market. So all of our, digit, all of our broadcast media, their, their home was Sacramento. They would have to drive an hour for Stockton to shoot things. Um, and then it became very apparent during my years as mayor that what was happening at the same time when the record had to lay off employees, when the record stopped running as many articles, when the record didn't have as much staff to cover things, when the record wasn't having as much subscriptions, at the same time, this fake news site went up. And the seeds were planted before it was official in that the folks who now run um, this disinformation website, um, folks like uh, allegedly a lawyer named Alan Sawyer, um, folks like Motek Sanchez, I think his name is, or his name before that was Patrick Powell, they would spend time on Facebook attacking the Stockton record. So Lalo City Council, that was, that was the play, just attacking the record's credibility all the time. The record's corrupt, the record's elite, no one reads the record, and using um, elected officials like current council member Christina Fugazi to do that and to just question the legitimacy of literally an imperfect but the only local press that we had in the city. Then when I became mayor, and after the success of, of, President, of, of former President Trump's um, 2016 campaign, how they utilized social media and algorithms and weaponized information, these folks, same folks got together and on my first month as mayor created what's been called, what's now known as the 209 Times. And again, just given how busy the folks in my community are, just given sort of the, the pace of change, et cetera. Um, people saw two online times and thought, well, that's it's a news site. Like, why, why, why would anyone purposely and deliberately go out and deceive people? Um, so a lot of people took it at face value. I like, know this is a, just an alternative news site to what because the record doesn't run as much, the record's not as quick, etc. And what we saw was just they started with just blatantly false articles, like articles that were literally lies and disinformation, but. As attained to me over four years, and you could, if they haven't deleted the post yet, you could go and look. It was a drip for four years, but it's really about 
weaponizing information and, and playing on people's biases and racism. When you have this young progressive, I mean, being the first black mayor in the diverse city of Stockton should have people ask questions like, why hasn't there been a black mayor before Michael Tubbs in Stockton? And answer is not because Michael Tubbs is the smartest black person of all time. It's because the, the city struggles like the rest of this country with anti-blackness and with white supremacy, right? Anyway, so the, the stories would all follow a similar thread. A, either Michael Tubbs was stealing money from the city because black people are criminals. And I think for a lot of people, it played on their bias and their orientations or how, 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 who are black people really, right? Um, this, the second one was M Michael Tubbs doesn't work. Michael Tubbs is lazy, which is another racist trope that black people, particularly black men, loiter. They're, they're criminals. They, they don't work because they're lazy. Um, and, and, and the third was, was, again, Michael Tubbs is just corrupt. It's just a corrupt administration. There's no way he could win legitimately. He doesn't live in this city. It's corrupt. It's corrupt. He's under investigation. It's corrupt. And for four years, leveraging social media, leveraging algorithm, they fed that poison. Indeed, it was a four-year campaign that only works in a news desert. It only works when you're able, when the algorithm rewards racism and bigotry and bias. It only works when there's no check. There's no certification. There's no nothing that says this is true because we know the brain research tells us that we look for news that confirms our bias. We look for facts that confor confront our bias. And that if, 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 if I'm biased to be racist or if I'm biased to think that government's corrupt, then I'll find something, whether it's the Epoch Times or the 209 Times or ON or Fox News, that's the, and that's going to create the reality. So now it's heartbreaking. If you look at sort of even the governance in, in the city of Stockton, all, all the local races that the fake news disinformation website um, endorsed in, um, those candidates won. And your status as mayor was a casualty of a disinformation campaign as well. I mean, we see that in the most recent mayoral race, uh, the candidate backed by the 209 Times is the candidate that actually unseated you. And I would argue that in addition to laws and policy, these bad actors have to be held accountable, at least in terms of FFPC violations, political reform act violations, because they were a political enterprise that did not file any forms that took money, admittedly, um, from politicians um, to, to do things for them um, and, and masquerade as a new site. And it's bad for democracy. It's, it's bad for the city. And I think just given the success that it had in Stockton, I'm, I'm worried that this um, malicious, this evil, um, this, this weird obsession um, of, of, of disinformation and, and misinformation will spread like wildfire, particularly in communities like Stockton. Mm. You know, in, in 2018, during your time as mayor was actually when the Stockton record, record actually closed down its press facility and went um, all digital. And so um, when we're talking about the ways in which people consume news now and the, the switch to digital and the switch to online, being that so many folks are now consuming uh, their news on social media, whether it be, you know, reading articles that are posted on Facebook or Instagram and spread, or just reading posts and captions um, that are posted on Instagram. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, any suggestions that you might give to the social media companies on how to better manage the spread of disinformation? 
I mean, I think we saw more action um, the past couple months than we've seen in four years. And we know that part of it is there has to be more transparency around sort of who creates said news sites, um, what's the budget of, of said page, how much are they spending on ads. And also there has to be some sort of, if it's, if it's posting as news, particularly in a pandemic, particularly when we need people to trust science and get their vaccines, there has to be some sort of mechanism to report things as are fake and some, like, you know how they give, like, you get a check mark when you're an authentic person, like when you're a person with a certain profile and they give you a blue check of verification. Mm. It seems like obvious that they should do the same thing for sites masquerading as new sites um, and, and have an authentic, authentication. And they and their smart border people can figure out where the mechanism or things or qualifications to, to be authenticated. But that seems to be, at the very least, a, a bare minimum. I think some of the stuff Twitter did when things were brought to their attention and tagging things as false or disinformation, I think that's also necessary. That also seems like a no-brainer. People assume that if it's posted, if it's been shared, that somebody has vetted it at some point on the food chain. And that's just not what's happening. And these social media companies have to be responsible for verifying what are real news sources and what are not real news sources, and B, tagging things as disinformation when they're, when they're disinformation. And B, C, being transparent around who are these pages? Who, who, what, 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 what are they? Who's funding them? What's their budget? You know, the founder uh, of 209 Times had expressed in interviews that he did have a, a personal vendetta against you, if you may. Um, and that, you know, he, he, he even said that he took credit um, for the fact that ultimately you weren't reelected. And so in looking at this and talking about how um, this campaign against you affected this, could you give any more like specific examples on some of the things um, that they would say and how they corresponded with the election skew and the numbers um, as it got closer and closer to voting time? And then when um, voting actually opened up and numbers started to come in? Yeah, well, I think it, it's twofold, right? So I think the um, the front man or, or the pawn for all this, I mean, he had a vendetta for eight years, right? So it's not going to be canceled. So I think the far right groups <laughs> that are funding this website are deserve a lot of credit uh, for being nefarious um, for um, and for and for manipulating um, emotions in people to create a desired result um, that's not really beneficial. Um, I would argue for the for the city. Um, in terms of things that were posted, I mean, in October before the election, they create a whole. They use another Hollywood unlocked a, a, a page from a disgruntled Stockton resident who's now a Hollywood celebrity blogger that said that I had struck a deal with the governor to make the fairgrounds a homeless, a, a regional homelessness center. It was just so bizarre and asinine because the meeting that were cited when that was not even truly discussed, I didn't I wasn't even there. I was I was literally not at the meeting where this plan was hatched, or any meetings for that matter. Um and that just spread like wildfire. And I spent three days and had to get the state to respond and say, This is not true. This is not true. This is a lie. This is actually fake. Um and that and that and that story dropped right around the time absentee balance dropped. Um, it was spread wildly. It was posted over next door, etc. 
Um, but then just throughout my throughout my time in Auschwitz, just just li- lies. They would say sort of the I would use my campaign account to pay for travel to conferences, so the city wouldn't have to pay for it. And they would say Tubbs is using taxpayer dollars to do all this travel. <laughs> or they would say we would literally bring millions of dollars into the city, and they would say Tubbs is stealing money from the city. Or we started a scholarship program where every single student who graduates from our largest district is guaranteed a scholarship. And most intelligent people understand that once a grant, a grant is announced, it takes time to ramp up. And because of the way nonprofits report, reporting is always a year behind. Um, so they said, well, they got $20 million and they only gave out 500 scholarships. The truth of the matter is we got $4 million a year over five years. In the first year, we gave out 50, 500 or a limited number of scholarships because we were ramping up. But every year we've given as much scholarship money as kids have applied. So just stuff like that. Just, or they would, they would lie and say, um, I had a driver. I had an executive assistant, which the taxpayers approved, who would get reimbursed um, for his mileage, which is kind of customary for any employer. Like if I had driven, I would have got the reimbursement as well, like within the same amount of money. So this thing is just so many. It was like literally on everything, just lies after lies after lies after lies. And at some point, I think it just beat down the defense mechanisms of some people. And they're like, well, all this can't be false. Like there's something about this has to be true. Hmm. While you're campaigning for re-election um, and while you're also you know, actively serving as, as mayor and fulfilling your duties there, um, could you talk about the amount of time and effort and energy that you had to put into combating um, these lies that were actively being spread um, and how that may have taken a toll on you as well? Yeah, well, honestly, I, I should um, probably spend more time. Um, but I think when you're busy governing, and actually doing things in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of Black Lives Matter protests, um, you, there's only so much you can do. So I, I, I made the false assumption that um, reality was reality and facts were facts, <laughs> and that people would see the truth of the matter and it'd be fine. That you might lose some votes, but I mean, people would know that all this couldn't be true. Um, particularly because I thought I, I'm, I'm a black guy, so if I was actually corrupt, and you know, I'm a black guy who's calling for police reform, who's calling for a guaranteed income. I said, so clearly if I'm doing all these things, I would be arrested. Like, there's no, like, 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 duh. Like, no one's, no one with real power is particularly excited um, that I'm the mayor calling for these things in, in such a um, clear and, and, and bold way. So we, we just thought that by using traditional media, um, by being on TV all the time, um, by talking to our, granting a, a response to our newspaper whenever they wanted one. Um, myself going online and doing Instagram lives and Facebook lives so people could ask questions. We thought that we thought that would be enough, frankly. I'm not sure if you have much data on it, but when you talk about who do you think was most targeted by the spread of this disinformation in, in Stockton, um, did you have any comment on that? Yeah, I think that just given the demographics of Stockton, um, very similar tactics were used. Um, I think in Stockton, because of our population, so much of the disinformation was focused on the Latino community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and when we see that, because they also have a 29 times in Espanol, <laughs> like a 
Spanish disinformation page parroting the same garbage information. What is next? Do you plan on doing more work around media and politics? Is that something you will continue to bring attention to? Um, you know, just a. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I, I'm really good at is kind of translating personal experience to policy. So much like with basic income, much like with our gun violence reduction work, much like our work with education access, I'm now adding disinformation as a, as a, as a focus area and priority area for me and an area I'm actively working to getting expertise because I just don't see how a country as diverse but as many challenges um, could really move forward if we allow disinformation to be unchecked. And again, it's not telling people what to think, but it's making sure we're training our people how to think and making sure we're, um, in terms of being critical thinkers, and also making sure that we're holding bad actors accountable who would seek to divide us in a way that makes us weaker, that compromises our national security, that, that compromises the integrity of our elections, that compromises just the type of community we live in. So I definitely see myself um, advocating for policy, doing pilots, and really being a voice around the dangers of disinformation, and also about the need for local press, the need for a vibrant and free um, press that's local, that, 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 that has trust, that has credibility, that can be as objective as possible, but at least bring us to a shared understanding of what the facts are. And we may disagree as how we get to these, how, how these facts came to be. We could disagree about what to do about the facts, but there's no way, and we see it with so many issues, from our gun issues to our issues with climate change, there's no way you could actually, in a democratic society, build the wide enough coalition to make the changes necessary when folks live in fundamentally different realities. And I think disinformation and social media has to be part Disinformation has to be held to account, and social media has to be part of the solution as to how do we bring communities together. Thank you so much for that. Uh, on behalf of the Columbia Journalism Review, we'd like to thank you, Michael Tubbs, for taking the time to speak with us, to share your insights on the overlap of disinformation in politics, and for your suggestions on how we can do better in the future. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.